Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. On this day, the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, open our lips. And our, our mouths shall proclaim your praise. Alleluia. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, and, and will be forever. forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. <clears throat> Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Not with old leaven, a leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Alleluia. Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Alleluia. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man has come also 
the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive again. Alleluia. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. The King of Love, my Shepherd, is whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am His, and He is mine forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah.
song of Mary. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, but my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Acts. Those who have been baptized devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles all who believed were together and had all things in common they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Glory and excelsis. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you. We give you thanks. We praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. A reading from the first letter of the Apostle Peter. It is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval, for to this you have been called, 
because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. The Gospel of our Lord according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used his figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When I first read the text for today's readings, I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to share the godly play version of the Good Shepherd story with you all. Godly play is a spiral curriculum, meaning there are core stories at its heart and all the other stories are rooted by key themes in these central stories. The three central stories in Godly Play are the story of the Holy Family, the story of Jesus as the light of the world, and the story of the Good Shepherd. Given the warm reception I've gotten from the other times I've told Godly Play stories in church, I thought it would be a great opportunity to do so again today. However, as I was rehearsing the story, I was struck by how some of the more disturbing elements of the texts, particularly of the gospel readings, were taken out of the godly play story. These choices make sense. 
as godly play is designed to strengthen the inner spirituality of a child, particularly those of young children. Dr. Lisa Miller, a child psychologist and expert on the science behind spirituality, defines spirituality as an inner sense of relationship to a higher power that is loving and guiding. The word we give to this higher power might be God, nature, spirit, the universe, the creator, or other words that represent a divine presence. But the important point is that spirituality encompasses our relationship and dialogue with this higher presence. When helping children, especially young children, develop the fundamentals of their faith, it is important to strengthen their trust in God or whatever they choose to call this higher power. And godly play endeavors to do that by focusing on the images of God as family in the Holy Family, God as loving protector as in the Good Shepherd, and God as good as in God is the light of the world. Sometimes when we face hardships or when life throws us a curveball that rattles us to our core, we find ourselves needing to reconnect with the spirituality of our childhood. Perhaps this is one reason why the 23rd Psalm is so dear. Many of us learned this Psalm, especially in the King James Version, in Sunday school while we were young. And we go back to it when we feel that we are unnerved and unrattled because it reminds us that God cares for us and we are not alone in our troubles because God is with us. However, for many of us, our understanding of God or Jesus as our shepherd ends there. We don't wrestle with the more complex themes in the parable or either ignore or not take very seriously its warning. We also often forget that the story of the good shepherd is a parable and not an allegory. When we tell this story to children, we allegorize it in order to help nurture their innate spirituality, to help them trust that the higher power is good, loving, and protecting. However, if all we know of the Good Shepherd is the allegorized version, we miss its complexity, and we definitely do not hear its challenge. The word parable is split into two Greek words, para, for alongside, together with, as in parallel or paradox, and balo, to cast or to throw. They are stories cast alongside us to uncover the truth about familiar situations. These stories are often unsettling because they uncover truths about ourselves, society, and the nature of human beings that we would much rather not see or at least continue believing that those truths apply to others, but definitely do not apply to us. So this is why I chose not to tell the godly play story today, because I wanted to move beyond the allegory and wrestle with this parable and cast it alongside the world in which we find ourselves today. 
Since most of you are probably like me and have very little or no experience with sheep and shepherding, I spent some time reading about these animals. Here is what I learned. Sheep are timid and defenseless animals that are powerless against predators. They are easily frightened. If alone against a predator, a sheep will lie down and shiver. But if they are in a flock, they will scatter and sometimes they will run into an obstacle and pile up, causing some of them to smother. Although they are naturally gregarious, individual sheep will often wander off while grazing and get themselves stuck in precarious positions and they can't get themselves out. Sheep will blindly follow trails and in the absence of a shepherd to redirect them, will blindly follow any trail, even if the trail leads them to danger. Lastly, not all sheep are happy to follow. In every flock, there are multiple leaders who will help keep the flock in formation and tell the sheep to follow the shepherd's direction. There are those who have the need to be perceived as leaders without doing anything really. And there are also those who will want to separate from and start their own flock if the shepherd does not curtail them. Sheep are a domesticated animal that cannot survive on their own and need the guidance of a shepherd. Robert Moore, a nature writer, once joined the Navajo people to learn more about traditional shepherding practices. In his book, On Trails, he recalls the comical and terrifying experience of losing an entire herd of sheep on his first day. After a few weeks of learning to shepherd the old way, he says, shepherding, like any craft, is a skill acquired over a lifetime, or ideally passed down over many lifetimes. Over many years, shepherds and their flocks mold to each other. With time, humans weed out the sheep that refuse to follow by butchering them and the sheep weed out the humans who are unfit to lead by driving them insane. Most important, I learned that whenever possible, a shepherd should attempt to bend the will of the sheep rather than break it. The shepherd is not the master of the flock. Instead, the flock and the shepherd are engaged in a continuous negotiation in turns pushing against each other and pulling together, harmonious one moment and fractious the next. Unintentionally, Moore summarizes the entire relationship between Israel and God in the Hebrew Bible. God gets angry and occasionally weeds out the ones who are unfit to follow, and Israel tests God's sanity time and time again by not caring for orphans and widows and by praying to you and worshiping other gods. This push and pull relationship may be the reason why God decides to call himself the true shepherd of Israel. Alternatively, the patriarchs and matriarchs of the Israelites are also shepherds and shepherdesses. So for them, the relationship between God and the sheep, the people of Israel, 
easily parallel the relationship between them and their own flocks. Sheep were the livelihood and the inheritance and the capital of the ancient Israelites as the people of Israel were God's inheritance, God's capital, and God's livelihood. While God as shepherd is a common motif all throughout the Hebrew Bible, shepherds are also symbols for the leaders of Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God lambasts the shepherds of Israel for not taking care of his sheep. The sheep are scattered and devoured by wild animals. And even the shepherds who are supposed to be taking care of the sheep, they are actually eating the very sheep they should be taking care of. God says, he is the true shepherd of Israel and he will rescue the sheep from their mouths and he will bring them to rich pastures, rescue them from all the places that they have been scattered in darkness and feed them by the watercourses of the mountains of Israel. Then after God has rescued his sheep, he'll separate the sheep from the goats, from the sheep who obey and the sheep who destroy the pasture, from the sheep who have grown fat and the sheep who were starved. Then he will raise up a new leader in David who will work together with God to care for his sheep. Peppered throughout the entire chapter are allusions to economic exploitation of the people of Israel, the failure of the leaders to provide basic care and protection, as well as a failure to meet the bare requirements expected of the leader. In this passage, it is strongly suggested that these failures are the reason why Israel was plundered and taken into slavery during the Babylonian exile. Many scholars think that Ezekiel 34, this text, is the backdrop for the Good Shepherd discourse in today's gospel. It was very familiar to Jesus's audience. So they probably had no trouble figuring out who the thieves, bandits, and hired hands were that either killed, destroyed, or abandoned the sheep. These leaders could have been the Jewish leaders appointed by the Roman Empire that amassed wealth and power while the rest of the people remained oppressed. They could be the hypocritical religious, religious leaders who preyed on the tithing of the widows featured in many of Jesus' stories. Or religious leaders who have cozied up to the Roman Empire. Or they could have very simply been hired shepherds. In the time of the patriarchs and matriarchs, most people looked after their own sheep. But in Jesus' time, Shepherding families had moved into the city and started to hire people to take the sheep out into more rural areas to care for the sheep. And these hired hands were notorious for being untrustworthy because the sheep did not belong to them. While there are many parallels between the Ezekiel and John texts, there are also quite a few differences. One striking difference between the Good Shepherd text and the Ezekiel text is that in Ezekiel, God promises to raise a new human shepherd or leader for the flock. Whereas in the gospel reading, Jesus as God's self becomes the new leader. There is no promise for the restoration of the kingdom of Israel, 
but a hint of a promise for the kingdom of heaven. The weeding of the sheep from the goats doesn't happen in John 10. And while it does occur in Matthew's gospel, the writer of John says the good shepherd will gather all the flocks that recognize the good shepherd's voice into one flock. The parable doesn't go into detail of how the, the flock may recognize the shepherd's voice. Lastly, in John, Jesus not only calls himself the good shepherd, he also calls himself the gate. Not only is Jesus the shepherd who cares for the sheep, Jesus is also the means by which the sheep are brought in. It is very easy to read sacrificial theology into this passage. Not only does Jesus say he is the gate and any who enters by him will be saved, Jesus also says that he lays down his life for the sheep, unlike the hired hand who runs the moment he sees the wolf approach. However, I don't think that's what this text meant. As nowhere in the parable does it suggest that the sheep are sinful. The gate saves the sheep from thieves and bandits, from those who seek to steal and kill and destroy, not from sin or anybody's wrath for that matter. Moreover, while the laying down of one's life does evoke images of the cross, the motivation of the shepherd in this parable isn't related to sin. It is out of deep love for the sheep, or maybe even a need to preserve the economic value that the sheep represents. That the good shepherd willingly puts his life at risk so that he can rescue the sheep. There are so many rich allegorical and theological ways to read these texts. Many have pointed out the parallels between the good shepherd and Jesus' death on the cross. And others have compared elements of Psalm 23 to the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist and last rites which are all evocative and nourishing to our faith. But I think this parable also uncovers some truths about who we are and who God is. So here are some of the conclusions that I have come to. People are very much like sheep in that we can be divided and consumed by fear. And worse, our fear can so easily snowball and consume others along the way. We sometimes follow trails blindly because that is all we know. And it is often to our detriment to stubbornly follow these trails. And we sometimes resist the shepherd's direction because we are terrified of the unknown. God does not want to break our spirits so we obey, and God does not wish to lord over us, but wants to bend our wills so that we are in sync with God's will. God enters into a push and pull contract with us, guiding and prodding us along to good pasture and water. And even though we easily scatter, we easily get lost, and we easily become prey to thieves and robbers and wild animals, God doesn't abandon us, 
and goes to every dark corner to gather us up all so that we are all together with God again. And lastly, the type of shepherd and leadership will determine the fate of the sheep. They will either be saved or they will be scattered and left in the dark. In our current crisis, we are seeing many types of shepherds. Some have become like vultures and turn the crisis as an opportunity to feed on and prey on the sheep. And some have become like the good shepherd who lay down their lives by putting themselves in harm's way, either out of love for their sheep or maybe a need to maintain their livelihood or maybe both. So I wonder as you reflect on the many layers of this parable. What kind of shepherds do you see? I wonder who are the thieves and the bandits and the hired hands? Whose voices should we ignore? I wonder, do you like being compared to sheep? No. <laughs> I wonder, what does it mean to wrestle and to continuously negotiate with God? I wonder, how will we recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd? Amen. Amen. That's great. And we will say the Apostles' Creed together on page, what page, page six or five. I believe in God, the Father, God, Father, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was, was crucified, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Show us your mercy, O Lord. And grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your, let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world. For only in you can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care. And guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known <clears throat> the earth. Your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten. Nor, nor the, the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God. And sustain us with your Holy Spirit. O God, whose Son, Jesus, is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who, with you and the Holy Spirit, lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessing through our worship of you that the week to come may be spent in your favor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory to the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all those whose lives are closely linked with ours, especially those celebrating birthdays, Leanne Pesci, David Beatty, David Claussen, Karen O'Neill, Matthew Williamson, and Natalie Veljovich. And grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, especially the Reverend John Allen, Jerry Griffith Beggs, Niall Clark, Diane Goodman, Richard Hall, Lorna Hamill, Joyce Hedges, Petey Hernandez, Hannah Hooper, Peter McEnimer, Louisa Martinez, Jeffrey Nemec, Kelsey Nemec, John Pluth, Chrissy Perkis, 
Sue Rawlings, Karen Rowley, Ivana Sanchez, Ron Smith, Vicki Smith, Don Snow, Lillian Snow, William Victory, Michael Wandell, Julie Wiegand, Peter Wiley, and the King County inmates. Uh, give them hope and courage in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our We commend to your mercy all who have died, especially Joan Buckley, Larry Brown, Ann Cooper, Forrest Glass, Evie Grace Nemec, Matt Temple, and those who mourn, that your kingdom will for them that your kingdom will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. If you would like to add some prayers to lift up in the chat, we'll give you a few moments to do so. Thanksgiving for the good shepherds surrounding us and offering their gifts to all and prayers for mercy for all vulnerable sheep in need and in danger. Lord, in your mercy, hear our Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come with within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O oh Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.